0: Our scripture today is from Matthew 4, or chapter 4, verses 12 to 23. It says, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he returned to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way to the sea along the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. In Psalm 133, it says, See how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. Or in Hebrew, Hine matov uminayim shevet dam yahad. In the history of the Jewish people, this became a really important verse, and you can t- look up a folk song that Jews still sing today called Hine Matov, based on this verse. This song became a way for Jews to remember that they are one people and all brothers and sisters of each other. They lived as a nation 3,000 years ago, and they would not forget it. But around 700 BC. 10 of the tribes of Israel were carried away off into their homeland, or off from their homeland into exile, and they never really returned. Most likely, they were just assimilated into the population they were exiled into and lost their distinct identity as Israelites. They were basically lost to history. Later, the other tribes were also carried off into exile. Eventually, they were allowed to return to their homeland, but some stayed far, far off in places like Persia, Mesopotamia, and even as far as Greece and Rome maintaining their distinct Jewish identity by, keeping things, by doing things like going to synagogue, circumcision, keeping the Sabbath, and keeping kosher. Eventually, it became unsafe for Jews even to live in their own homeland, and they dispersed all over the world. You had Jews all over Europe. Some migrated down to Africa. Eventually, they made their way even to the Americas. Nevertheless, there was a dream that one day all the Jews would come back to live in their homeland again. That song, He name Atov became a reminder of that dream. See how good and how pleasant it is for us brothers to dwell together in unity. After hundreds and hundreds of years, as you might imagine, it became a favorite song of the state of Israel, which many Jews felt was the fulfillment of this dream, where Jews from all different nations would return and dwell together in unity. There's even a lot of really peppy pop versions of it. It's kind of fun. We're not really sure whether they sang this song at the time of Jesus, but then the spirit of the song, Hinei Matov, was really important. It was a beautiful idea, prophesied all over the Old Testament, that one day God would gather in all the brothers and sisters from his people and allow them to live in Jerusalem in peace and unity, and that would include all 12 tribes, including the ones that were lost to exile. At that time, they would know that God was with them, and that the exile was really over. God would have wiped away the tears of exile and brought peace to the world. In Jeremiah 16, God says, Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when it shall no longer be said, As the Lord lives who brought up the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives who brought up the people of Israel out of the north country, and out of all the countries where he had driven them for I will bring them back to their land that I gave to their fathers. This would be the most amazing act of salvation that God had ever accomplished, even more important than the Passover for the, for the Israelites. It's the reason that the book of Revelation in chapter 7 makes a big point of having thousands and thousands of people from every single tribe of Israel, all 12 of them. They would all be represented. Nothing would be missing. Jeremiah continues. Behold, I am sending for many fishers, declares the Lord. And they shall catch them. And afterward I will send for many hunters, and they shall hunt them, from every mountain and every hill, out of the clefts of every rock. In other words, God was going to send people all across the earth to find everyone who belonged to Israel and bring them back. He would spare no expense, and nothing would stop him, until there would be a feast in Jerusalem where all the Israelites of all twelve tribes would gather. They could all gather together and see how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. This is the reason that Jesus is constantly talking about his coming kingdom as something like a feast. Because he's evoking this image of all the people of Israel returning to the feast together, just like the Old Testament said. In the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, there are these little hints that he would bring about the day that was longed for in songs like Hine Matov when all Israel would return to dwell together in unity. Jesus goes to live in Galilee, as Matthew says, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah would be fulfilled in all the lands of Zebulun and Naphtali. Those were lands that belonged to tribes that were part of those ten lost tribes of Israel. Even the mention of those tribes brings back the idea of this grand return from exile, of a people that they had forgotten even existed. In Isaiah, it says... In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, namely by allowing them to be conquered. But in the latter time, he's made glorious the way by the sea, in the land beyond the Jordan, the valley of the Gentiles. In other words, God would restore those tribes along with his territory, and he would do whatever it takes. But there's a little hint there, which is also developed throughout the book of Isaiah, that all the nations would see it. And then all kinds of people, not just Jews, would join them in Jerusalem. Jesus comes and calls his first disciples, and the name he gives them is no accident. He says, come and I will make you fishers of men. If you remember the Jeremiah passage I just read, it talks about God appointing fishers to pull people out of the sea and return them to Jerusalem, and appointing hunters to track them down all over the earth and bring them back. So Jesus' implication is very clear. Throughout his ministry, he would bring back all the estranged exiles from all over the earth. He would fulfill God's promise that the longing and songs like Hine Matov would be fulfilled. We would all be able to dwell together in unity. So, all throughout Jesus' ministry, there's a theme of what was lost and now returning. You can hear it in Jesus' mission statement the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. He tells parables like the one of a shepherd leaving 99 sheep to find the one that was lost. He talks about finding a coin that was lost and a prodigal son that was once lost. All of these would have probably brought back the expectation that Jesus was going to send out the fishers and the hunters to bring his disgraced exiles, Israel's back. At that point, the blessed kingdom the world so desperately needs would appear again. The world would be what it's supposed to, and they can sing Hinaim Matov and really mean it. But Jesus' ministry also hinted at something that would become the main focus of the church. Just like we saw last week, when Isaiah prophesied that the return of the Jews to their homeland would be even better than expected, because it would bring people from every nation with them, Jesus is constantly hinting that the lost nations would come and enjoy the new kingdom of God too, all of them. All of the worldly distinctions that divide us will go away, and people from every tongue, tribe, and nation will worship God together in peace. Paul says, Remember that you Gentiles were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken us down in his flesh, the dividing wall of hostility. In Christ, the family of Israel has expanded to include all the faithful people of the world, making peace with each of us. And that means that we can come to the church from all different tribes and nations and live in unity. See how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. We often focus on how, because of Jesus, nothing stands in between us and God. And that's true. But what it also means is that nothing stands between me and you and between us and them. And that's because God has broken the power of the evil empires and demonic powers that kept us apart. Those things like the empires that invaded and deported the Israelites away from their homeland. Or whatever causes us to pick petty and unnecessary fights with one another. Jesus even broke the power of those really important disagreements that's to separate us because we have the most important thing in common, which is King Jesus. Finally, Jesus has triumphed over even the power of death to separate us, and one day we will all be raised from the dead and allowed to dwell together in unity. All of this because the sins that I committed against you and you committed against me were forgiven by God, and he has every right to forgive them. And what that means is that it would be ridiculous for me not to forgive you because God has forgiven you. And it would be ridiculous for you not to forgive me because God has forgiven me. To anyone genuinely seeking forgiveness, I have no right to say anything other than, brother, Jesus forgives you, and so do I. And God has given us the law of his son, Jesus, which he showed on the cross by giving himself up for us so we would also give ourselves up in love for each other. And that law is different from the law of selfishness and power that the world runs by. And he's given us his promised Holy Spirit, which will bind us together in love and fellowship so that we can live together in peace. Every week and every time we meet, we recount the story of how God brought all of us, different and strange people from every corner of the globe, to worship together in unity. The gospel isn't just the story about how God saved me, but how he saved us, and how he made us a new people who don't have to live by the world's rules which try to divide us. And now we have this wonderful opportunity and responsibility to live with each other and bear each other's burdens. If there ever was a time that the world needed that, it's now. I don't know if you noticed, but the world around us has gotten a lot lonelier and depressed and atomized in recent years. And I think COVID kind of accelerated that trend. People are starving for a community that's grounded in something more solid in the latest Marvel movie, or some petty political issue. They need something sacred to look to that binds them one to another. They need a common history, like the history of the gospel, and practices to affirm it, like love feast or baptism. They need the kind of community where people are obligated to give themselves up for one another, to bear each other's burdens, and have time for fellowship and love. They need a community that's upheld by more than convenience and dopamine, where meaning is transcendent and can be experienced in something more than physical. They need a family where their place at the table is unconditional, because forgiveness is guaranteed. In short, they need a place where people can see see how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity, where they can look back at their whole history with joy that somehow God brought us together and spared no expense to do it. In this passage, Jesus calls his disciples to be fishers of men, the ones that Jeremiah prophesied, who God sent out to gather in all the lost brothers of Israel who were separated because of the evil of this world. And whatever you have to say about the first disciples, you can bet that they were totally obedient in this passage, dropping everything they were doing to follow Jesus and fulfill that role. But this calling to be the first disciples is a prototype of his calling to each of us, there are lost brothers and sisters all throughout the world who haven't heard the news that it's time to come back and return to God's family. The invitation is open, and everyone is welcome to feast with us in unity. We are called to be the search party, the hunters who scour the earth, and the fishers who ride the seas, to find their brothers and sisters and bring them home. Because God is bringing us together and is sparing no expense to do it, even including his own son. God has something wonderful going on in this church. It's fulfillment of all kinds of promises that he had given us millennia ago that no one would have dared believe at that time. That people from every nation would gather together to worship God. And God has so much more in store for us in the future. Wouldn't it be wonderful for our brothers and sisters who haven't yet come to meet us at church to be with us for it? So as we go through a time looking forward to the future of our church, let's keep in mind who we already are. We're a community of believers committed to the service of King Jesus, each other, and the world. And this is something that a lonely, despairing, and depressed world desperately needs. We have a tight-knit community in a lonely world, where membership isn't based on social status or performance, but based on submission to King Jesus. We have a purpose of service to the world and to others in a light that so many are afraid is meaningless. And we have a savior who loved us and gave himself for us so that we can be saved from the sins that entangle us and make us miserable and ruin everything. And we are given the vision of a world set right by the love of our Father. So let's go out into the world and find your lost brothers and sisters so that they can join the party, so that one day our family will return together and seeing, see how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. Let's pray. God of peace, you have broken down the barriers between us so that we can dwell together in unity. Help us also to find our brothers and sisters that haven't yet found faith in you, so that the feast of your kingdom would be an ever-growing party. In your name we pray, amen.